right. What's up, everyone? I am Akanji Tangwa, as you know me, um, classmates. This is a Culture Class podcast. And today we are talking to Adam Hooper. He's in Perth, Australia. I don't even know if we've ever talked to someone from Australia before. So maybe this may be a first. Um, but hi, Adam. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am fabulous. Thank you for asking. So um, we don't have much time, so we're going to jump right into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself um, and some of the work that you do. So yeah, I... I am a sperm donor, essentially, and I looked into helping people start their family, and I've helped over ooh, over 15 families now. I don't specifically number the children because I think it's bad to see them as a number, but ballpark figure would be around that, maybe a little bit more now. Um, over, seven, over seven years, since 2014, so, you know, really um, a person could probably get four pregnancies per month if they're going for numbers and such so for me it's a uh, quality over quantity mm-hmm. and uh i created a community uh which is uh www.spermnationworld.com which has um different communities throughout the world in australia and the usa and you know there's a few other ones out there that are a bit smaller than those ones right and uh you know so people from their respectful countries will go into those groups and they will ideally hopefully find donor or a donor looking to help someone start their family so So, okay, I'm going to be very blunt, very direct, and I'm sure you've heard this a lot. This is not something that people talk about um, or is even, it's almost like a taboo subject. Um, So when people hear about like, you know, sperm donors, um, IVF, it's not something that people talk about every day. So what is the reception that you get when you tell people that this is something that you're passionate about? Yeah, yeah, look, uh, I think there's many people that aren't interested in it. And, um, but yeah, overall, the reception isn't really um, negative in any way. And a lot of people, um, if they don't want to talk about it, they just talk about other stuff to me, you know, as if like we're normal human being talking about what you did in your day and or what you like doing and what else you like doing uh you know there's parts say you might like you might be into cars or something and racing right. and then you and your friend isn't into racing so obviously with that friend you're not going to be talking about that sort of stuff with them and uh yeah so for me it's something i um i'm not ashamed talking about that's why i come on podcasts and radio and tv and and put myself out there you know i'm not um ashamed of what i'm doing or um I don't feel it needs to be a taboo subject, but at the same time, there is, um, it's nice to have balance in my life where I can talk about other topics with other people as well. So for me, it's not really uh, a thing that I need to preach to uh, people that don't need to listen or want to listen or then it doesn't interest them. But there's many people out there that are wondering if they're going to meet a life partner or wondering if they're going to be able to have children or wondering how they're going to have children and people that explore these pathways into picking a donor may potentially help them have their children. So that is um, a good way, a platform of having these, engaging in these conversations with people. Right. Um, There's definitely um, a group, there's definitely an audience out there who does need this information and is looking for avenues to have more of such conversations. Um, But why is this something that you gravitated towards in 2004? What was the motivation? Why did you go, this is something that I want to do? Well, I I had... uh, 
I had a partner back then and already had uh, a child and one was on the way. And so I knew how special children were and how it changed the dynamic of my own life. And uh, it's something I probably wouldn't have known if I hadn't had children. So it probably would have been something that wouldn't have crossed my mind to think about doing. And there's a lot of people out there. And the dating game this, these days with technology is, is sort of really difficult for some people. You know, some people feel like they're getting used or some women who might already have an existing child from a previous relationship that failed. Uh, they feel that a lot of men just take advantage of them and uh, just use them as one night stands. And, they, and, they, and they're really just wanting to give their child another sibling and have that little family unit. And they're getting uh, messed about with that. So, you know, for some people, it's a real logical way to, um, you know, create their family or uh, add additions to their family and uh, have it in that ideal age gap range between siblings that they have in mind for their own family. Um, so for me, uh, you know, look, I, I like doing good things in the world. I've done charity work and stuff like that um, for little organizations and and stuff. And uh, But this is a very unique one and something that hasn't been done, um, someone that never really spoken up about it. And so for me, it, it's empowering in that way to inspire others not to just have their families this way, but to inspire men to become donors as well. And, uh, you know, and personally, I've made some great friends through this, through people I've helped. Um, you know, we, we've... Uh, uh, we do catch-ups um, with the, some of the mums that want to partake in it and the children will play with each other and do that. So it's a very interesting dynamic and it's different to your everyday-to-day, um, you know, uh, traditional family unit, right, right, right. Uh, but but it's exciting. It's, it's, it's sort of something that it's not until you really get involved with it do you actually feel, well, this is, you know, I feel a bit ripped off that I did come from a traditional family. Right. So... How does this work? I'm, and I'm asking as someone who, you know, I'm in that category of people who's like, this is very different, right? Than what a traditional family would look like. So how does this work? Do you, um, as a donor, do you just sign the papers and it's like, it's up to that, maybe the the home family of the child to decide whether you're going to be involved? Do you decide whether you're going to be involved? Like, what is that dynamic like? Yeah, I think really it comes down to the children wanting to decide that. You know, traditionally you have your expectations that you think, oh, well, the donor might seal my baby or the donor might do this or the donor might think, oh, you might want to take me for child support and all this. And then, and they go, oh, well, we don't really, it's the, you know, we look, they look at clinic situations where they say, oh, when the child's 18, they can reach out and, and contact you. And that's what they right. like, you know, but that's a business decision by the clinics. So not a mental, um, based on uh, mental well being of the children. And, you, you know, a lot of these mums are saying this and then they're contacting me once the child's like five years old saying, child keeps asking about you the child keeps wanting to know this the child wants to see you the child wants to know who the siblings are the child you know we didn't want this but the child wants this and the, right. you know and they're seeing these emotions from their children and they're all of a sudden well what we had in mind isn't really working you know like uh so these they they got the children asked to see me or I meet the siblings and they now have that opportunity and that versatility to and that just takes a huge burden off, off their own minds you know off their own shoulders 
as children right. so they don't build all these questions and, and have all these thoughts built up in their head over many years uh, throughout the teenage years. And, uh, you know, and then they have the ability to contact other children in a similar situation to them that obviously know what they've been through and their dynamic. Because as you said, it's a different it's a different dynamic from your, you know, you go to school. Well, these days, schools now are a lot of broken right. families because the mm-hmm. divorce rate's so high. Um, and you're seeing people take this option right. of having children because they're saying, well, you know, the traditional way is no longer working anymore with technology because everyone's breaking up and right, right, right. Children, and and people are having fights with their ex-partner. The children are stuck in the middle of these fires. The children right, are right. always always packing up and moving from one house to the other on the weekend, dropping off. Who's got them for Christmas? Yeah. Who, you know, who's got them for this holiday? Uh, and it, it comes uh, an arm wrestle. So a lot of people now are thinking, well, they're creating their own destiny and their own pathway and saying, well, look, uh, the statistics of uh, divorce in a lot of Western civilization societies is 50%. That's a toss of a coin. That's a pretty high odds of right. uh, of something untoward or right. not going well. Right, exactly. And uh, when you look at the statistics of using a donor, well, you know, every single person I've helped, uh, we've maintained a great relationship, great friendship, um, and it's uh, at their discretion of how much they want to involve me and, and and have contact or how much they want to mm-hmm. talk to the other mothers or the other recipients. And, uh, you know, we've got a mother's group uh, on Facebook that they're all, they're all in and some partake and, and post photos up or, you know, of Halloween or, or right. um, photos with Santa now. And, uh, you know, they talk um, a Amongst themselves, and some of them are a bit shy that they read it, but they don't say it. But they, you know, in their own time, they will decide to uh, get involved and chatter a bit more. Um, right. So there's there's no set uh, mandatory right. um, guidelines of involvement, but it's nice to have that little community there that when their child is ready or or mm-hmm. asking those questions that uh, you they know have the freedom to reach out exactly yeah. Um, so I want to ask. I mean, you may have mentioned this, and forgive me, but you have your own family, your own children. Yeah, I've got two girls. Uh, one's almost 11 and the other one is seven. And um, yeah, and they met them and they love meeting their um, their half-siblings. And, uh, you know, they go off and play with each other, hold hands. And so uh, they, like, they're, they're, they're obviously the oldest ones of them all. And, uh, but they've, you know, been able to introduce them at a, at a youngish age mm-hmm. and, and them knowing from day dot that I was being a donor, even though they didn't understand it until they, um, started meeting them and get, getting the concept of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you know, for them, it's, uh, they ask, you know, when I, when I see them, they say, Oh, do we get to see any of them this weekend? Yeah. And, you know, they, oh, wow. they, you know, they really do enjoy it. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, as a father, um, you know, I had no idea becoming a donor. This would um, this would impact them in a, such a positive way. You know, it's not until huh. you've done it and and seen it, and you're watching it unfold, and you're watching this journey of of them as they go from you know babies to to toddlers to you know um, kids that are going to uh, preschool and primary school, high school, you know, it's, it's, it's this journey that's unfolding and it's uh, actually, it's, uh, it, it is different, but it's yeah. magical. And uh, anyone who uh, does take the leap of faith to do something different, um, I think you'll find that it's actually a real enjoyable, pleasant way of uh, creating a new, a new age family. Yeah. Um. So, so far it's sounding like, you know, like, and I, I don't want to say ideal, but it's sounding like a really, like you said, an enjoyable way 
and a different way to create a new age type of family, right? Um, but my question now is, it can't. I don't imagine that between 2004 and now, it's just been like 2014. Oh, sorry, 2014, seven 14 years. or four? Yeah, 14. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay, so I don't imagine that between 2014 and now, it's just been you know all roses. I'm sure that there has been some challenges, be it like um explaining this to people who are just like, what are you doing? Or you know, talk to me about some of those challenges and and, and really taking this on as a passion that you want to encourage other people in the world to um consider. No, oh, I'm, I'm not here to preach to people, but look, if it, I'll put the information out, and there's a lot of information. I do the my own podcast, Burn Donation World. Okay. Uh, you know, there's about there's about 44 episodes already of all different stories um, from oh. donor can see people, from donors, from recipients, from people that have done this pathway. And uh, you know, you get to listen to all walks and types of personalities and backgrounds, and and uh, you know, it's uh, it's really unique. Um, the world, the sperm donation world, is is in, and uh, you know, the screening that we do in the sperm donation Australia and uh, sperm donation world communities, uh, you know, we pretty much stamp out the bad behaviour to begin with. So we've never had any assaults, rapes, or um, any untoward events actually happen. So look, the saddest thing is is when a woman discovers the community too late and or they go, oh, I'll just try and date for see date for a year longer and see if I can find someone to settle down with. And then they leave it too long because, you know, they think, oh, well, you can have a child when you're 40. And uh, but their body decided um, yeah. that they can no longer do it. And that is the saddest thing when you actually having conversations with people that have just realized that they've left it too late and then they're never going to be a mother. That is the saddest thing of this community. And that's the one that actually brings me down the most. Like, you know, when I first started the community, I thought, well, maybe something, someone might get raped or something bad might happen or an STD or something. And that hasn't happened. But the saddest thing is, is some people leaving it too late. And, um, and yeah, like it's quite emotional trying to, um, when you're, when you're dealing with these people, um, because you feel really, sad and it makes you feel that um you know speaking out on podcasts like this and uh for other people to um you know consider your options you know take take destiny in your own hands you know because like you you might not ever be guaranteed of having a life partner you know you might not ever be guaranteed of having a stable relationship you might not be guaranteed of if you break up to be amical um but this way you can control having a child that's in your possession and which you have enough love and to um have a donor say like myself um, that has always been supportive and uh, there to ask questions and accommodate you in in a way that's, um, you know, doesn't bring any complications to it. So, you know, it's sort of really, if you actually do your research and, um, you know, open your mind to something new, because as as humans, we resist change. You know, if we don't know something, you know, we we tend to be hesitant. So if you do... That's absolutely true. The unknown is the most scary thing for most people. Um, And I think this is actually a really good segue into the other piece of work that you do, which is surrounding IVF and, um, you know, dealing with um, women who need that option to be able to have, um, you know, to be able to make a family. So speak a little bit to what you do in that regard. How, so when did that switch happen? Or I guess a a realization that this was part of this donor process um, and that, you know, the options for women and, and what is possible out there is, you know, something to consider. Well, you know, a lot of the IVF clinics, they try and keep things a bit um, 
protected in terms of, so for instance, if you pick an IVF donor from a clinic off a piece of paper, they don't really want you contacting until the child's 18 till you finish having children. Because if you meet that donor before and you decide that, um, you know, you want to um, establish a friendship with him, they might say, well, let's donate outside the clinic. And that means they're losing revenue. And uh, so they're trying to avoid this, you know, the way they're set up is for profit and it's not really for the mental well-being of people. And, you know, also, you know, we're sitting there talking today, you can see my features, my cheek structure, you know, my jawline, my, the way, how far my eyes and eyebrows are apart or how bushy they are or, um, you know, etc. People, people like pay attention to all of these things. Well, on a piece of paper, you don't see all that. And if you if you're in a same sex relationship and you want to, or you're in a hetero relationship and you want your, the donor to have similar features so they, you know, they might be, feel more connected to the child because, you know, I've had women pick me because of my features and the features look more like uh, the non-biological mum than the mum because they've picked a donor that resonate their features. And some people, you know, when they take them to the park or go out in public or the shops and they go, oh, you're the biological mum, you know, because mm-hmm. and not, not the actual real biological mum. And they feel chuffed about that, that when people think that, you know, and uh, off a piece of paper from a clinic, you don't get that, you know, you get a basic hair colour, eye colour and uh, height and, you know, that's pretty much it. You know, the rest can, you know, if you go into, you go shopping and you look at all the people um, walking down that mall, you'll see a lot of people that fit those descriptions and uh, there's quite a variation and uh, of of, of these people's physiques and um and, and they so look you, like and so you are in the kind of wanting to revamp that whole process of like make this more open for well yeah well we have donors that um have ended up joining the site and they go look I donated at a clinic a few years ago at the end I was just dropping my sperm off and now oh, you know I got told there's children alive now I start to wonder you know are they in good homes are they getting raised by good people you know like what have I done I'm, I'm questioning my decision of donating at this clinic now and this is playing over that donor's mind now and he's waiting till they get to 18 to reach out and say it's okay I, I, I was all right you know like uh, you know or they're wondering are they going to get contacted when they're 18 and go I was raised by horrible people that really you know didn't look after me and neglected me you know so doing it this way just eliminates all that you know and you know and and, and vice versa for the recipients you know you're wondering you know you guys sound great on a piece of paper you know he's uh, he sounded you know sounded wonderful uh, right. but in the back of your mind when your child wants to reach out and contact him you know I've had many uh, uh, people from previous generations that have walked this path they said oh well, yeah, he wasn't really what we were expecting. And it sort of like made things awkward and embarrassing, like they're embarrassed or the child, um, you know, whose identity feels a bit tarnished now because, yeah, it just was totally different from us and so you know having these conversations you know I meet people if, if someone internationally uh, you know wants to use me and, and fly me over and, and donate to them you know we have Zoom chats and talks and you know we get to know each other that way and you know everyone I've donated to I don't regret um, and I feel that they feel the same because uh, we've never had any um, arguments fights it's been really smooth sailing it's just been based on them how 
helping them create a family and and uh, them being grateful for me doing that as well. So, you know, it's just that mutual respect for each other. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And I, I can see how this plays into your um your own confidence too in what you do because it's it's one thing for the family to feel blessed that you were able to do this to help them but for you to know that you know they're the the child is in good hands and a good family and that you know you can trust that they are going to be raised by people who truly care about them and this is something that they wanted um i think that that must play to you know it must play in your favor as well and and by you i mean the donor in general and and definitely and that's you know, that means I don't build up any mental um, uh, despairing thoughts of, you know, what could be going on, you know, like I've got a good peace of mind right now. You know, if I donated at a clinic anonymously, I wouldn't have that peace of mind. And, uh, you know, I've had donors that have said that, you know, it wears on them, you know, it's a burden that wears on them that takes up a lot of their brain power and, you know, uh, that they think about and they're constantly questioning their decisions. And this way I've never had a donor come back to me and go on, hey, Adam, I saw you on TV or I saw you on this radio show or I read an article about you in a paper. Uh, I've never had people come back and say, I regret um, doing that. Yeah. doing that instead i've had a, um hundreds of messages saying i stumbled across this article about you so i decided just to have a little gaze and a, a little look-see and uh then i decided to do it after several months and now a child's born it's the best feeling of my life um thank yeah. you for creating a community like that or speaking up on a taboo subject that no one really else has done before so uh you know that that's great you know it's great it's warming that not only from a recipient side that they get family and a child but men feel good helping out people. You know, it's a good thing to be a human to help out. You know, it's it's a nice, you know, as I said, people do charity work, feel good about themselves in a way that they're contributing to society in a positive way that doesn't have to be, you know, based on money or, you know, a financial incentive. And even though I'm sure that there is, um, and we can talk about that in the follow-up question, but so I wanted to ask, um, there, there has got to be, and, and, and you can speak to this or not, or, or, you know, you can confirm this or not. There's got to be some, you know, situations where it's the opposite, where um, uh, recipients are in need of maybe an egg donation as opposed to a sperm. Do you have any, is there any overlap in that community that you're building where women are willing to donate their eggs? Is that a and I think that's yeah. Look, now, I think yeah? I think we've had a lot of women join, and they're just grateful of uh, you know being able to create their family from sperm donors, and they feel inclined. Um, not all of them, obviously, but you know, because uh, you know, to to extract eggs out of someone and take those drugs that they do um, to you know hyperstimulate their bodies, and you know, can do some damage to them. And uh, so, for a woman to do it, it's a bigger progress um, process than it is for men to do it, and uh, to surrogate as well. But some women don't know they enjoy some women really enjoy pregnancy they really embrace pregnancy they like the whole process of pregnancy and some people hate it and it's not until you've had your own child do you understand that if you can surrogate for someone and we have had many women over the years that have done it and had their children created their children and then offered donors um, who might be single men or or gay men in a relationship um, that 
obviously would require a surrogate and an egg donor, and they have returned the good karma. Um, this is definitely, uh, you know, not very widely talked about. Um, so I have a question. Okay, it's all nice and good and everything. You know, there's there's you're helping families and and you know things good things are happening. If something should happen to one of the and this is of course we don't want this to happen, right? But in a situation where one of the children becomes maybe don't have the support that they do have now in terms of um, their guardians or parents at, at this time. Do you ever feel like, oh, does that feeling of now they become my responsibility? Do you ever think about that? Yeah, look, I think obviously being a donor now that's helped over 15 families, you think, well, you know, the more people you do help, there might be a statistical chance that, you know, the parents might get um, die from like cancer or or something like that. So when, right. when, you, meet, when you meet people, you, you talk to them about their support networks, you know, they've got good families, friends, brothers or sisters, you know, what would happen um, to the child uh, if you were to fall into um, ill health or, and uh, people can work out that. Cause I mean, a lot of women, when they do decide to use the donor path, they, they think about that for them, their, their own self, what would happen to the child if it as something was to happen to them. And uh, you know, a lot of them uh, process this before it even gets to the donor talking about it with them. So uh, look, I'm pretty comfortable that these children that I've helped have got a great support network and, 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 a, and a big loving family that can uh, to sort them out. But look, at the same time, um, you know, I see some of these um, kids and and if uh, a recipient wanted me, you know, if they had something on and they wanted to drop the kid off for the day and let them play with my kids, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Would, you know, it's just it wouldn't be any different to, well, it wouldn't be any different to your children having sleepovers with, you know, say another child from their school or something, you know, like it's uh, um, for me uh, and I feel comfortable with my children would feel if they wanted to take the children, my children off me, they could have them as well. Like, because, um, you know, but at the end of the day, I'd feel more comfortable with someone. I children you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I would feel more comfortable than that than the hands of actual strangers. You know, it's sort of at least there's like a, a DNA sibling family link and you sort of know these people than you say you would with your child's friends at school or something. It definitely is an interesting dynamic. Do you remember all their birthdays? No, no. Um, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie about that. Uh, look, but I mean, I'm shocking with birthdays anyway, to be honest. And, uh, <laughs> like I can barely I'm, keep up with the two that I have. Well, I, I do know that uh, two of them were born on the same day. Um, nice. So that like two was two different families. Two different families. Uh, baby born on the same day. So that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, look, it's, uh, I think right now it's just obviously the parents, I think if the, if they get older and then they create their own Facebook group and they, and or their own Facebook, uh, identities, you know, yeah. profiles, and they start messaging me via that, uh, I think I might put it into a calendar that notifies me. So, you know, they don't feel, um, that I'm ignoring them on their birthday. Uh, so, you know, there's, that's the thing with technologies these days that can help you out um, when when needed. So how, what's your big message? If there's one thing that you want people to take away from, you know, all of what you've talked about, what would be that one big message? Well, I just think, you know, the way, you know, we grew up and I think Disney and TV shows had a massive influence on who we are, you know, like the princess and the prince meeting and having a family and living happily ever after all those scenarios flown out and they were all created before internet dating and all this sort of came came in and now people are a bit normal non-committal uh you know if you haven't found that person by the age of you know entering your 30s you know uh the traditional people that uh really value relationships they're probably already in that relationship 
relationship by now, by that stage. And uh, there's a lot of people that uh, obviously watch these TV shows. And, you know, when you watch stuff, it brainwashes us. You know, we think we think that's the normal. You know, we want to go envision that for ourselves. And, uh, you know, and then we put all that pressure on. And then a lot of people that, you know, there's people that aren't suited for relationships that value their own independence. They're stuck in their own ways. And as we get older, we do get our own habits that we don't really want to buck out of. When we're young, we're a bit more adaptable. So actually, when you do get older, it's actually more um, harder to find someone that's actually compatible with you. Right. But, uh, uh, so, you know, you're thinking, well, the question you've got to ask yourself is if I didn't find someone in my in my younger years and now I'm approaching, you know, the, the last few years before I have ch- like capable of having children, what's the chances of me finding that person now when I couldn't find them then? Yeah. And uh, it's not to say that you won't, but you know, the, the percentage statistical chance would be a lot less higher than it would have been back then. And, uh, you know, it's... It's sort of, um, I think people just, the message is, is control your own destiny. And, you know, we've had single women, single mothers by choice that have had their child and then the pressure's off their back. You know, they don't, because like a lot of people, when they really want a baby, they'll, they'll have the baby with the wrong person and then the, yeah. and then it's all fighting, you know. Yeah. So take that pressure off you. If you really want a baby, pick a donor that's, you know, not you're not going to be fighting with. And uh, and then if you find a guy, uh, that's great. You know, there's, there's, there's no pressure to rush in and have a child with him. You can have a child when you want. And also it just takes, um, you know, it just gives you, it empowers you uh, and and the guy that you meet with uh, the feedback we're getting from single women who have actually used a donor previously and then met a partner is they actually enjoy the fact that they've got a child that they can sort of take on a more father figure role uh, because uh, there isn't another man that's saying you can't talk to my son like this or daughter like this or, you you know, I don't want, you know, so a lot of people feel like they have to step back because there's already a dad at play. But when it's a donor, they can sort of feel more relaxed and, uh, you know, they don't have to worry about, um you, you know, when you got when you got right. a new partner and she's fighting with her ex partner, you know, there's, there's yeah, no there's fighting no in this one. There's no, there's no attached drama, essentially. Exactly, and so I mean, who wouldn't want that? You know, you're avoiding Nobody so wants much. <laughs> and I think, I think, you know, we've all got friends that have gone through drama that we've seen firsthand. That we go, well, I don't want that happen to me, or someone that's already had a child that's got drama, and they go, well, I don't want that drama again, so I'm going to use the donor. They had to learn the hard way, but it, you know, they're not going back, and right. they're now the now the smart ones that um but unfortunately a lot of people have to go through that pain to realize that maybe the donor is the more safer option so you know um it's not for everyone um a lot of people are traditional and stuck in their ways and being brainwashed and it takes a lot of rewiring to consider this but I think for many, it's probably the more safer option, uh, more empowering option, uh, and it's something I would, yeah, and something I would explore uh, if if I was a woman that was single in her thirties. Well, um, I think this has definitely been a new topic for me. I've never talked to anyone about any of this before, so this was as much a learning experience for me, or you know, at least just a knowledge acquisition for me, as I'm sure it is for a lot of our listeners. So thank you for sharing. Um, so really quickly, before we round up, um, talk people about where they can find you um, and the work that you're doing. And 
and, and if you could speak a little bit to, I know you're starting something in Africa um, for this very purpose. And so just talk a little bit about how that's going and, you know, what the reception has been and, and then all of where we can, where people can follow you. Yeah. So look, we've, we started Sperm Donation Africa. Uh, you know, I've got tickets to go over to Mauritius, which I guess is off the coast of Africa. Uh, but I'm trying to get there, but this COVID situation still got them shut down from, from Australia, from where I am. So, you know, eventually I'd like to go over there and do a tour and speak on the news and all that and 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 get it out there a bit more. So we've got Spend Nation Africa on Facebook there. Um, you can join that group and, uh, you know, get involved. But it's it's very um, the starting blocks okay. for that. You know, it's, it's there. Uh, you know, we really want someone that's in Africa that wants to take on a, a mid role and, and really take it on as, you know, their passion. And obviously I can guide you through with my experience and, uh, you know, and really uh, offer those people in Africa a chance of, of taking this uh, way that's worked in um, Australia and in the USA and, and there's other communities in UK and all that sort of stuff How that has, has worked. So, you know, it, that's really something that I really want to um, eventually open up to all the world and there's only so many places I can get to and COVID sort of held me back in that regard. And uh, yeah, so you can um, follow me on Instagram uh, at Sperm Donation World. I sort of update you on uh, my little life and adventures and what happens and uh, you know uh, podcast episodes I may go on or TV shows I've been on or you know so you, people can get more information uh, um, you know and uh, you can also see my stories where you can see how much of a weird I probably really am uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. speaking of so let me ask this question because you just were talking and it came to my mind your Instagram handle has the word sperm in it are you Instagram been like red flag this at all yeah well you know it's it's it's, uh, it's a fine line isn't it because I've seen a lot of accounts yeah. get delete get deleted off Instagram and um but what we do is legit you know we're not it's not shady it's not um for sex purposes it's not you know it's about education you know and that's how it comes across and uh, I don't put anything borderline that would probably create that controversy of uh setting off um some alarm bells for those people who administrate uh Instagram so I don't yeah. see any reason for it to get banned uh and uh you know it's not it's nothing sexual about it and so we we do operate within their standards and their guidelines so uh you know the word sperm's not a dirty word it's associate you know we were we were all sperm once upon a time um that is uh, uh, so you know and that's a good perspective to have too just like think about it you really were just a combination of like sperm and egg at some point in your life so yeah and uh you know you uh, i think people have said you know we've all even if you're not a fast runner we've all won a race and in, in at one stage of our life and it was probably you know, <laughs> as a as a sperm eating that, that egg is so fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that is fabulous well, um, so thank you very much. Yeah, we're all winners here. And uh, yeah, so look, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, uh, on Facebook, uh, Adam Hooper, uh, the website, www.spermdonationworld.com. There's lots of uh, uh, information guides uh, to go through and read up on and uh, really learn to educate yourself. This is someone that uh, something that you may consider. Uh, look, if you're from different parts of the world and, uh, you know, look, and you want to find a donor, you know, we've got donors available that, that can donate. Um, you know, I'm always, I love diversity. Uh, so for me, you know, when I travel, I, I don't mind helping people internationally. Uh, you know, um, obviously they cover for your plane tickets and accommodation or whatever, but like basically I take my time off work. So I'm not really wanting reimbursement for all those costs. I just something I absorb. So yeah. it works out about even really. And, um, but, you know, I really embrace going and meeting another country and seeing and just taking in and seeing where this 
potential child um, will grow up and 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 live around and yeah, uh, you the know culture if, will and be. yeah their culture will be and then they're able to share it with um, other children that there's their half siblings when they're older and say oh come to Africa or come come here or come to Sweden or um, and they can learn off each other as well so I think you I think learn a lot too about yourself yeah it's a it's a real good culture class so um <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. No, absolutely. Um, I think this this is definitely um, something that will prompt a lot of discussion um, for all listeners and you know beyond. Um, thank you for being so bold about what you do and and being willing to share. Um, and thank you, classmates, for listening. This has been the Culture Class Podcast, and we will see you in the very next episode. Bye.